Here Welcome back, everyone. I'm here again with Dr. Sean McFate. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great, Sean. Good to see you, too. It, it's, uh, it's been an interesting several months in Russia and Ukraine. So today we're going to address a topic that the media has appeared to raise but never really followed up on. So over the past several months, actually, I haven't heard anything for a month and a half or so. There are a bunch of reports about Putin bringing in all these Syrian mercenaries and Wagner. I've seen like sporadic reports that they were in Papazna, or I, I can't I can't pronounce the, the name of the town. But um, there's been kind of lots of coverage at the beginning, but very little now. What's your perspective on this? Because I know that you have a pretty fresh view given uh, your contacts. Yeah, so it's interesting. I um, just got back from a trip from Istanbul where I was doing some research into Syrian mercenaries in Russia. And the, the bottom line up front is that we expect Syrian mercenaries to be going to fight for the Russian cause, but we've no like hard evidence. We don't have like dead Syrian mercenaries in the Donbass. Uh, we don't have dead cat. We don't have captured mercenaries. You know that the Ukrainian government, if they captured a bunch of Syrians, they would blast them all over social media and have a war crimes trial. So because that hasn't happened, you know, it's it's hard for for me at least to say it's happening. Although, mm -hmm. you know, to be honest, all the circumstantial evidence is there. You know, um, I, I wouldn't surprise me if it happened. Let's leave it at that. Uh, I, th I think we're seeing Russia trying to actively recruit foreign fighters. So we can we can talk about why that is and why Syria is the number one sort of source of this and, and their relationship with the Wagner group. So why are they trying to recruit foreign fighters? I, I mean, I have an inkling, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same way for the same reasons almost that the U.S. war in Iraq the U.S. government relied increasingly on private military companies to keep the body count down of American soldiers coming home in body bags to some extent. Um, uh, so Putin has a problem. Uh, he promised the Russian people that this would be a quick and easy war. I mean, right? I mean, how many wars have started with that promise from the Peloponnesian War to World War One to you know, our experiences in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, when he found out it wouldn't be a quick and easy war, it's going to be a longer war. Um, he had a domestic political problem on his hands because most Russians, like core Russians, like Russian citizens, really, I don't think would support a, a long engaged war in Ukraine. Um, you know, that the whole Nazi, we're going to denazify the Ukrainian government, all that nonsense, which is why he, Putin relied on conscripts at, who are mm -hmm. mostly from the periphery of Russia. They were not like mother Russia. And those conscripts now are becoming a big problem and they're getting whacked. And so Either, you know, Putin either has to have a, like a draft to mobilize core Russians, which might result in his overthrow, because you know, Russians may not want that, um, if you can imagine how that, how that might look like, or he can turn to foreign fighters to fill the difference. So foreign fighters are now basically, they're looking for, you know, people 
who, if they get killed, are not dead Russian soldiers coming home in body bags, which, you know, Russians hate. But the Russians just do not care about dead contractors, you know, in body bags. So Syrians and others um, are like sort of like a version of conscripts. And it's a way for Putin to hide his the costs of war. And do you expect these conscripts, not conscripts, but these mercenaries to be as ill-disciplined as conscripts or worse? It's a great question. So I do, but it, it didn't start that way. So initially the Wagner group, which started around 2015, was a pretty like, you know, tier one, tier one-ish group. Um, you know, Dmitry Ukin, who's the, the guy who started it, He's a retired colonel from Russian Special Forces Spetsnaz. He commanded their 2nd Battalion or 2nd Regiment. And they're like a no-nonsense special operations group. I wouldn't compare them to Delta, but they are pretty hardcore. That was mostly who they were until recently, until this war in Ukraine where they started to get whacked, you know, getting killed. And, you know, we all know, we saw this in, in the U.S. experience in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, as more and more of these guys got killed, you can't replace, Blackwater couldn't replace a dead seal with another dead seal. They had to lower the standards. And so what we're seeing now is just cannon fodder and riffraff and, you know, and they're basically no better than conscripts, people who have minimal experience, you know, in a firefight. And, and I talked to guys in Wagner Group and they complained about this, the older guys. They're like, oh. this this is uncool. Um, and that they say that Dmitry Ukin is no more than a businessman now. He used to lead from the front, like a, a war leader, like a colonel. And now he's just the guy doing business development. And he just seeks new bodies and throws them into combat. Knowing they're cannon fodder, he doesn't care. So some of the, the older Wagner group guys who are like sort of mid to senior level really are, they're complaining about this right now. And how involved have they been in the most recent conflict? Well, it's a great question. I mean, we know that Wagner has been involved in this conflict since the beginning. We saw Wagner guys leaving, you know, places like their mission in Central African Republic to go you know, back to Russia. And then, you know, not, you know, and then a week later, this is like early February. And then like two or three weeks later, the war kicks off. So we know that they were there. Their mission mm-hmm. was mostly combat assault. Um, it's possible that some of them did fifth column activity as well in small groups. Um, and that, you know, the, their involvement in massacres is, you know, we believe to be true. You know, German intelligence and others have corroborated some of this. Um, but I think they've been they've been getting killed along with Russian conscripts, uh, Russian army. And so what their true numbers are now, we don't know. We do know, at least talking to the guys I know in Wagner, that the group is, it's expanding and lowering the lowering the standard and that they're just seeking cannon fodder. It's all they need, cannon fodder. Um, and so we don't know how many are there right now, but um, maybe a couple thousand uh, at the most at this point. And you mentioned that they were involved in some of the atrocities. What, was it, you're talking Bucha or are you talking Bucha, which, which parts of the country? I mean, Bucha specifically, we know that 
So just so listeners know, I mean, the Wagner Group's a Russian like mercenary firm, or they call themselves a private military company, but they're like, they're mercenaries. They work for um, uh, for uh, uh, um, an oligarch whose name is Prigozhin, and he's close to Putin. And for the last six to, you know, since 2015, he's been basically working overseas using the Wagner Group to get rich and to extend Russian interests abroad. And um, now, but he denies involvement in Wagner and Wagner is not actually, it's not a legal entity. It doesn't exist on paper in Russia. It's, it's like, it's a informal organization, like a network that they call themselves Wagner. They get paid through Prigozhin's like oil companies. They, you know, they're, they're sort of like ghost employees for one of his oil or gas companies or mining companies. That's, that's why he pays them. Um, And we know that they've been, you know, involved in Donbass. And one of the things that they do, one of the things that mercenaries do historically is, you know, war crimes. I mean, as a, as a tactic and strategy. And this is part of private warfare. I mean, this goes, you know, in the Middle Ages, you know, popes hired mercenary armies who committed atrocities that knights didn't want to do. Um, and so th- we know that like in Buka, for example, they were being, Wagner Group was being handled by the GRU, which is the Russian military intelligence, and to do, directed to do some of these war crimes. And why are they doing war crimes? Because that's Russian unconventional war. So American unconventional war is like winning hearts and minds. Russian unconventional war is like civilian massacres and flattening cities. That's what they did in Grozny and you know Chechnya. That's what they did in Syria and cities like Aleppo. And that's what uh, the Wagner Group did specifically in Aleppo. So, and other places. So this is... This is, you know, you can hire mercenaries to do the work that you don't want your soldiers caught doing, even though those Russian conscripts have proven themselves to be more than eager and capable of doing war crimes as well. Do they actually, and this is a serious question, because I'm astonished that they think this is effective to, you know, strike terror, but is it effective? Like, have they found historically that it works i think think it has i think it is effective i mean sad to say is that look when you unconventional i mean so like conventional war is what they tried to do initially that's like the blitzkrieg it's like formal battle uh formations it's nominally the the laws of war with uniforms and flags and and all that and that didn't work for russia they tried that for two months it failed they didn't get to kiev they repivoted. They went to the east to Donbass. The reason they went to the Donbass um, and is is for two reasons at least. One is that they have a strong support there, population support. So less guerrilla war fighters, less you know you know sort of insurgents, if you will. They're not really insurgents, but less guerrilla war fighters. Also, the land is is more farmland. It's more flat. It's easier for them to it, less places for guerrillas to hide, essentially. Okay, so tactically it's useful, um, and also they they are they are changing their their tactics and strategy to from conventional warfare to like this massacring thing. And they put the general whose name I forget I can't 
pronounces the Russian general who's now like the commander in chief of this. Is operation. it Dvornikov? Yeah, exactly. He's he's well known for his cruelty in Syria. He's a veteran of the Chechen wars, um, and he he uses Wagner and other troops to to strike wholesale terror. And the gamble that I think Russia is making strategically is that at some point Ukraine's going to say uncle. And we'll come to the negotiating table on Moscow's terms and not Kiev's terms, because, you know, watching their citizens get massacred, you know, launching cruise missiles into cities like Odessa indiscriminately, you know, what they did in Mariupol, flags. I mean, if you, you know, it worked in Aleppo, it worked in Grozny. So I think they're betting it's going to work here because they, they are betting also that you know, Ukraine will not become a part of NATO during this and that this will become a war of attrition and that ultimately Russia has more resources in a war of attrition than Ukraine does. Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised that we've stayed out of it, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a different segment. Um, what what else have they been involved in thus far in terms of operations? The Wagner Group? Um, well, I think they've shifted their earlier, their earlier, um, mission in the early days of the war was, you know, combat assault, uh, like good combat assault and maybe some fifth, fifth column stuff and doing things like strategic reconnaissance. And, and then, uh, you know, I think later on war crimes as a mission, um, but now I think what they've changed because of the, the death toll they've endured, they just want bodies. They want cannon fodder. That's what it is. And um, they want to, and I think the people that they're hiring, like the Syrians, and they kind of know that too. But, you know, mercenaries, you call them foreign fighters, call them whatever you want. They're really mercenaries are doing it for the money. And that's kind of, there's some there's also sociopaths who are doing it as well. They just want to kill people. But I think a lot of them are just doing it because they need the paycheck and it's they, you know, if they survive a tour in, you know, in, in Donbass, it's like working three years or four years back at, you know, Aleppo or, or someplace else. So they're making a gamble. Um, it's what mercenaries have always done. So you mentioned earlier that you've spoken to some of these uh, folks at various uh, private military contractors. What have they have you have they kind of given you an inkling about what they thought of the whole Kiev yeah. operation? So so just to be clear, the way that Putin has framed it is that okay, done, we accomplished our mission there. Now we're moving forces. That that phase of the operation is complete and successful. Right. And then yeah. what's what are they telling you is kind of the, well, I mean, first of all, everybody knows who has any experience in military that that Putin failed in the phase and has done a strategic adaptation and is using, you know, classic political BS lines to justify, you know, the, the obvious, you know, which is like, it didn't work and it's not part of some immaculate plan. Um, so early on in the war, um, one of the Wagner group guys I've talked to who was not there said he strongly opposed it initially. I mean, and here's the thing about Wagner is that before this war, some of the Wagner mercenaries were like all about Putin or all about a stronger Russia. So most mercenaries are like out for the money, 
there are the sociopaths, there are the adventurers, the romantic adventurers, but the Wagner was a little different because they thought they were serving their country through a different means. Not all of them, but some of them did. They thought like, we're going to make Russia a superpower again. And, you know, this is a good way. We were former vets from the army. This is a new way of doing it. Um, but those guys, I think of this guy I talked to, he used to be one of them. You know, if, if he is sort of like a hood ornament for them, which I kind of think he is, it's like, they felt this was a big mistake. It's, has been horrible. You know, the Russian military felt because it was a hollow military full of corruption. Um, after this phase change, you know, heads were rolling in the GRU. I mean, there's been a reshuffling um, throughout the military. Um, and so I think um, so the Wagner guys I've talked to were, were against it. Um, and now because of like they're just basically emptying the jails essentially to i mean not literally but metaphorically they're emptying jails to find warm bodies to serve as foreign fighters um so again to conceal you know to, to hide russian soldiers coming home in body bags to the russian people that's like the that's one of the, the priorities at this point for putin's domestic agenda to hide how badly the war is going yeah, the Ukrainians have trains, like refrigerated trains, with filled with Russian bodies, and the Russians won't take them back. Yeah, I mean, Ukraine is smart. They're playing an information warfare. They're like, okay, we're gonna, you're trying to use implausible, you know, you're making trying to make plausible deniability that your dead soldiers are not really dead. Well, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to advertise to your own people that here's the here's the KIA, here's their dog tags, their names, their social security, whatever. And, um, you know, which is clever of, strategically clever of Ukraine to erode Putin's domestic base. But like you said, you know, Russia is doing everything they can to stop that. And, you know, uh, so, but foreign fighters are a way, a way to do it. And foreign fighters or mercenaries, they're not the silver bullet, but they are uh, part of this larger campaign. Now, have the mercenaries, or not mercenaries, but has anyone in Wagner commented on what happened to Gerasimov? Like, it appears, I, look, I haven't looked at it recently, but he appears to have just completely disappeared. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. I do know talking to multiple sources that heads have been rolling inside the national security apparatus of Russia. Um that's well, what, what is say. that what does that technically mean though? Does that mean they're in prison? Does that mean they're they just lose their know. jobs? Does it mean they're tortured I, you know in I, prison? I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I mean I, I, the answer is probably yes, but I just don't know. It's speculative on my part. I mean minimum being demoted, fired, uh, put in some obscure office, letting somebody else take charge. Uh, worse, they could be house arrest. I mean, probably worse. Remember the, uh, who was it in North Korea, the uncle of what's his name was killed by anti-aircraft gun like years ago. Um, oh yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, fed to lions having a mysterious heart attack on their operating table in in Siberia. I mean, I'm sort of half joking because these things, some of these things were done during the Cold War. I mean, Russia has a history of, of these things. Um, but I think that there's, I guess the polite word is there's been a reshuffling of leadership and management within the middle to senior ranks of the security forces. Oh, here's a crazy story. There was an oligarch 
who was found in the basement of some like occult center where they did Jamaican voodoo. <laughs> Do you think it was real or a setup? Do you think it was a setup or? I think, yeah, I think it was flag? a setup. Uh, oh, you mean like the story is a setup? No, no, mean- like if assuming the story is correct, do you think he was really a voodoo guy or do you think he was like, you know, injected with something and framed as a voodoo guy in a sort of humiliating way? Um, well, I certainly think he was in- injected. I mean, it sounds like classic Novichok. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just hard to know, but. But yeah, it could it could be. I don't know if if it was something just used to disgrace him and his family, or or if these 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 guys are running so scared. Well, that, actually, that would accomplish that, right? Like these guys are running yeah. so scared, they're, result, <laughs> they're resulting in uh, or they're resorting to the occult in order to. Get well, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, I, we got to be careful with speculation here. But if right, of course, if 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 you're a Putin and you felt that some of your elites and oligarchs may be turning against you and may threaten a palace coup, then, you know, humiliating one horribly is maybe a deterrent. You know, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to know how these things work. And, and I don't want to there's worse, there's theories. worse ways you can humiliate somebody though. There, there are, I mean, yeah. But so I, I, you know, I don't want to start conspiracy theory. Uh, I know you have a, you, you have a family show here. Um, but uh, I, you know, who knows though? When it, the thing about with Russia mm-hmm. is that, nothing is beyond the pale you know so it's, it's everything at some level is conceivable now it doesn't mean it's so it but it, it is it is conceivable so well yeah there's there's uh that guy um i remember his, his last name is bitchkov literally his name's bitchkov and he did something absolutely horrific which i won't mention i mentioned mentioned it in the past but um i've heard informally that they kind of just arrested him and gave him a stern talking to and then just sent him back to his unit Hmm. i don't know if that's true but and the talking to was not like that thing that you did was horrible it was like the fact like what you did fine um but just don't get caught next time Uh aha yeah so i don't know if it's true but um and any in terms of the application of these mercenaries why hasn't the U.S. or NATO tried to hire them as well? So, as an example, I'm taking I'm actually taking an example from your book, The New Rules of mm-hmm. War. So, if I were working in the CIA, I might try to pay Wagner a little bit more <clears throat> and have him turn around and start killing Russians. But, right. I, like, has that? Has anything like that happened yet? And if it hasn't, why not? I don't. I have not heard of anything like that happening. Uh, and it's a good question because, you know, Russians and Ukrainians. It's not like Russians and Afghani's, right? There's there's some similarity there, and um, you know, and I I don't know. I've not heard of it, and I can't assume it's happened. Or can you hire them just to go elsewhere? You know, can you hire them? to do like oil, you know, infrastructure protection in the Gulf states, you know, because there are, I've talked to, I've, the people I've talked to in the Wagner group, nobody's happy in the Wagner group. They all want to leave. Um, they feel trapped because 
Russia has, you know, we've I think we've talked about this before. They've got very strict anti-mercenary laws in the book. So if yeah, you, it's illegal. So yeah, if, e- even though the Kremlin so, hires you, it's strictly exactly. illegal. And if you start to do something else, then they arrest you and then you're off to, you know, to prison for a long time. So um, they feel trapped. And because, um, you know, there's you know, we can either bribe, uh, we can use market strategies like bribing the mercenaries uh, to fight, to defect, to switch sides, you, or you can try to hire them elsewhere. Um, and there is there is supply and demand for that. I mean, the Gulf states could use that, or the, you know, if, if the war in Yemen keeps on going, I mean, you know, or re- resurfaces. So, you know, it's hard to see why that hasn't happened. And I think that's you know one possible. You know, what we're seeing now, what we're well, me very clear about this. What we are hearing um, is, you know, Syria is becoming the real, um, is becoming a new sort of source, a new stream of mercenaries with secret complicity by the Syrian government. And to take Syrian fighters and, um, and send them into Ukraine where they're not going to be tempted to switch sides because all they know like they're they're literally their lifeline is the russian handler you know they're they're not gonna have second thoughts about it and that's one of the things that mercenaries can actually give you you think that mercenaries are easy to, to, to switch sides but played well you can you can engineer it so that they don't want to switch sides and there's lots of examples in history for this like the varangian guard and stuff like that in the ottoman empire um but you know or anyway we, we can talk about the history of it but you know that might be another reason why, um, you know, Russia is turning towards um, to Syrian mercenaries. You know, we even saw this in our own American Revolution in War, where some of the German mercenaries during the American Revolution were actually became sympathetic with the American colonialists and switched sides or remained in the United States after their contract was up. Um, so if you get really sort of if you will, alien fighters, people from a different culture and country to fight for you, they're more likely to stay loyal to you because you're like their, you're their tether um, to their livelihood. In the next several months and weeks, what sorts of things can we expect to see from mercenaries? Final question on this. Well, I I think that the mercenary situations, it's going to continue. I mean, there's nothing to stop it. I would expect, what I would look for is this, um, dead Syrians in Eastern Ukraine. If we see dead Syrians, they are more likely than not Syrian mercenaries uh, transacted through the Syria. I mean, Syria is essentially right now a client state of Russia. Um, And so the Syrian, there's a Syrian, um, from my sources, there's a Syrian intelligence agency called like Unit 217 that facilitates um, Syrian mercenaries in both Libya and Russia in the past. And they would, if we started to see more Syrian refugee, oh, Syrian mercenaries in, in Ukraine, like it'd probably be through the, the Syrian government using 217. Um, so I'd, I'd start looking for evidence of foreign fighters fighting alongside Russians, uh, but they're going to be cannon fodder. 
as well as, you know, Wagner Group mercenaries, but they're also cannon fodder at this point. And I think it's going to go into a long war of attrition. And foreign fighters are a good way to sustain a war of attrition when your political base doesn't want to see any more casualties come home. All right. Thank you very much, Sean. And uh, we'll see you in the next segment. All right. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.